off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinal. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we know. Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. The football kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. In studio with us this week, we've got Phil Egan, but also with us, we've got former Republic of Ireland international David Myler. David, how are you getting on? Oh, can you hear us all right? We've got a little bit of a freeze with David. We'll get to David in just a second. We did a uh, flash poll before we came on. How many goals will Erling Haaland score this season? 20 to 39. We didn't even accept anything under 20. <laughs> no. Uh, 40 to 49, 50 to 59, and 60 plus. And, uh, I just, I, you know, I, what, what do you think is actually realistic? So what is it? He's on nine from five, okay? Yeah. You're including two hat-tricks. I wasn't sure if he was actually going to start against Forrest because I thought that's the kind of game where Pep could just leave him out. But... Do the sums there and he's hitting... 80. Um, right. So, what, nine and five. So, you're over 60 goals there. You, like, he's not going to keep that up though, right? No, absolutely not. You um, say absolutely not, but he might. Like, no, but see, people are going to work out how to play him. Are they? Yeah. How do you do that? You just have to study how to... Like, well, well obviously, uh, say you play him the first time, you're like, right, this is what he did. Okay. Now, I know sometimes there's a certain player that you, you know what they're going to do, but you just can't stop them doing it. But... <laughs> Also, as well, will he remain fit for the whole campaign? But I would still expect him to score. That's this is assuming fitness for the whole. Okay, campaign. so yeah. he, he's fully healthy for the whole season. You'd be thinking if he'd definitely be in that thirty to forty. Like this is league goals only. Yeah, exactly. Do you Premier think of some of those clubs, like the some of those teams that go to City and they know they're going to get smashed, so they try and just stop doesn't seem to be working at the moment it doesn't seem to be working but Haaland he's not even one of these where you know he would take a break in the game he's just relentless no he's the opposite he's racking up the scores he's a a full flat track bully David Miller is with us this time David good morning to you how are you good morning gents yeah we're talking uh, specifically about Erling Haaland and how many goals he's going to score this season our poll uh, the winning figure for the poll is 20 to 39 but it's close people think 40 to 49 and then some people are voting 60 plus this is league goals we're looking at something we're looking at a phenomenon here well I'll start by saying I initially said at the start of the season he wouldn't get more than 20 Um, I only base that off injuries I was like because if he plays all the games I think he'll I think we've already seen it. I kind of base off injuries because he's so big, he's so strong, he's so powerful, he will pick up muscle injuries. But it's what's been really interesting to me so far is Pep always seems to take him off. Um, albeit, yes, he's already scored like hat-tricks in both games back-to-back there, so he has good reasoning to take him off. Um, but certainly looking at it, like if you think about it, he's played three home games. Um, he's got the back-to-back hat-tricks. Like if you have it, well, you've got another 15 home games, you're expecting him, regardless if it's against Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, United, he's probably going to get chances that he'll score. So if we give him a goal a game, that's another 15 on top of the nine he already has. That's 24. Then he's away from home, which they have another 16 games left. Like, you're still expecting him to score an eight to ten of them. So I'm looking at 35 minimum, like 35, 36 like the way that's if he plays all the games um, and that's like you know like with it that's unbelievable and it's, <laughs> I'd say he'd be disappointed like, if he only scores eight times in 16 away games because actually in the away games funnily enough he might get more chances yeah but certainly with the way Man City play 
like they dominate teams at home and you just know that like of course teams are going to be pinned back but he is he's so big and he's so strong that they can mix their play up and then when you've got you know the creative players like Gondwin, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, Mares, Foden the list goes on behind him they'll just create chances for him and you just know that if he gets opportunities he's going to score I do wonder if uh, on the weeks of the Premier uh, the Premier League Champions League games if actually he'll just be rested and so that will somehow blunt the number of goals that he scores so total goals in the season I, I would say that you know we could we talking in the 50s here but um, that actually Pep is going to mind him and manage him to make sure that those muscle injuries that you, you speak about don't happen I'd, I'd forgotten as well the exact age he, he just turned 22 like yeah this I know um, David's a gamer this is effectively cheat mode on FIFA just throwing Erling Haaland into the Premier League champions and you know people looked at the the community shield and you know there was a few times where De Bruyne didn't pull the trigger with a pass and they thought oh you know this will take a while next game he scores a couple of goals and yeah I think anyone who would worries about Erling Haaland adapting to Manchester City and the way they play or the Premier League I think those uh, those concerns are, are long gone and it's just a case of now how many and in terms of the way it's it's very early days but you're thinking how many is he going to score and how many points will City win the league by? David, we, when we were just getting you back up there, Phil was making the point that teams will learn a bit about him and a bit about how to defend him. And, uh, you know, they get, the, they get the tape, they get the experience of it. Uh, what, what difference will that make or how will that make a difference? Uh, if, you're, if you're planning, if you're Villa this week, of all weeks, <laughs> like... Well, if you, you look at it, right? City have won four of the last five, right? They're... They've been unstoppable in the Premier League. Okay, they have moments in games, well, certainly games rather than moments where they've not performed for 90 minutes and they've, you know, made errors at the back which have cost them points. But for year on year, they've been, they've dominated the Premier League. Like regardless of teams studying Haaland, what to do with him, teams haven't been able to stop Manchester City. Like the only thing is Liverpool have probably raised their bar to go up against them. Um, you look at the turnout of points each team has been you know, turning out over the last few seasons that regardless of whatever Aston Villa are doing on the training ground this week like <laughs> it's very difficult to stop him because he's so quick he's so strong like like one of his goals at a night he just throws defenders around like like Aguero was kind of that nimble striker who played you know with movement um, and his intelligence whereas Haaland doesn't mind going up against you he doesn't mind being physical then he's a great turn of pace as well. Like he has every attribute you'd want. Um, he's like, we've always, you know, looked at Ronaldo kind of like that iconic six foot three, like the physique, you know, the, the ability. Haaland has that, but he also has probably a lot more pace than Ronaldo did, you know, in the in the latter years of Real Madrid. So you look at him saying, if he, if he continues to get four or five chances a game, he's going to score them. It, it, it like... <laughs> He can do everything Aguero could do. He can do everything Ronaldo could do. It's a kind of perfect combination, as, as Phil talks about the cheat mode. From a defensive perspective, from a midfield perspective, like is your only hope to flood the midfield and, and hope that the balls coming in are fractured a little bit. Not to say that that won't that he still isn't going to be able to score off those, but instead of it being four or five chances a game, you hope that it's two chances a game, and you hope that he misses one of those, and that maybe you score and you get away with a one all. Yeah, well, you've got to you've got to cut out the supply to him. Um, that's a big thing, as you said there. If you do flood the midfield, 
But even so, certainly with the way Manchester City play, I think it was evident when you go back to Community Shield, they've always had this philosophy with Pep has of the extra pass. It's like, don't force it, just keep moving it, keep moving it. And you could you could see the frustration in Haaland because he was making the runs, which Phil touched on there, the passes weren't coming to him. Whereas now they're starting to understand, you know, De Bruyne, Silva, they're starting to understand Haaland's movement. Like... <laughs> It's one of those, how do you stop it? You're going to have to get around those players and you're going to have to narrow your back four up and try and limit the spaces. But then again, if you leave wide areas free, he's six foot four. Like you can just stand crosses up and he's going to bully defenders. So it is, it is, you've got to try and cut off the supply to him and, you know, limit as much ball or limit the creativity of those players that, you know, are looking to try and assist him. Uh, and so... Your natural temptation would be to to go four five one or five three one one, and make sure that uh, you somehow are you have two bodies around wherever the ball is, right? And that's that's great, fair enough. You do that and you you get beaten three four nil, and everybody's like, well, at least it wasn't ten. Newcastle at least went for them and mm. showed that actually they do have some defensive weakness, which maybe over the course of the season they get better at and Calvin Phillips comes in and locks down the midfield a bit or they go Rodri and Calvin Phillips for games where you, you, they might face an attacking threat. But is there something actually then in, in maybe trying to punch them in the nose first? Yeah, like obviously you can you can try and take them on at their own game. That's what Pep always harps on about teams sitting you know deep behind the ball. He doesn't approve of it. He wants teams to come out and play, but that suits him because then his team would you know pull anyone apart. Like I think the big thing that I've looked at over the first you know obviously five games is I think there was a touch of arrogancy with Liverpool and you know City. Certainly Liverpool in terms of they had just dominated teams and they had been so so convincing in their victories that. I don't think they were going at 100 mile an hour. I think they've j- just felt, and a couple of teams, like certainly with Liverpool in the opening game against Fulham, Fulham took it to Liverpool. They outran them, they outworked them. And then if you look at Newcastle, they just said they rolled their sleeves up and said, you know what, we're not going to leave you, just continue to have the ball. We're going to take you on and we're going to play at your own game. And I think both managers would, managers would have realised that, that like, okay, teams now are coming at us where we need to be sharp. But look, they still have the quality, both teams, but certainly... If you try and take them on, if you certainly you try and take City on, um, they'll just pass the ball around you, and it's good night, Vienna. Yeah, it's uh, it's very difficult to see anything other than Manchester City winning the league by eight to ten points at the moment. Is it? Yeah, I, I, like I know, obviously, we were even talking about Haaland. Like he he left his feet up during the World Cup. Norway aren't there. He'll rest and recover, and then the league will start back up, and he'd be like, oh yeah. I'm nice and fresh and he'll just pick up where he left off and they'll have the Champions League as well to try and finally get get that uh, elusive win in the Champions League but yeah I, I always kind of feel before the start of every season anyway that like it's always City have the trophy you have to take it from them Liverpool did it they've come close to doing it again but I don't think they, they can do it this season um, and then who are you looking at Spurs like I, I just think City are going to win it fairly comfortably. Yeah, I mean the obvious answer there is who are you looking at? The team who are top at the moment, Arsenal, having you know beaten all before them. You're not convinced? No, I, I think Arsenal. Have, it's a great start, and obviously I know we'll we'll touch on it later in a bit more detail. But going to Old Trafford, another good test. So they're a better team than United, but sometimes that doesn't always work out. Like United are obviously probably feeling a lot better about themselves at the moment so I think we'll know a lot about Arsenal 
but the signs are good the signs are good where there's been a few setbacks this season and they've answered them I'll tell you what the five fixtures that we're looking at are Everton Liverpool uh, from half past 12 on BT Sport on Saturday uh, at the same time Celtic versus Rangers on Sky Sports Aston Villa versus Manchester City is the half five kickoff on Saturday evening Brighton versus Leicester is two o'clock on Sunday afternoon which could be the end of the Brendan Rodgers era we're not sure it's, it's definitely maybe he gets the game against Villa maybe the two of them get the game against each other and what a game that's going to be <laughs> Man United versus Arsenal uh, sorry I'm talking about Leicester Villa is the next fixture after this and then Manchester United versus Arsenal is half past four on Sky Sports on Sunday afternoon we obviously have that game live for you as well on Sunday afternoon on Off the Ball um, there's lots to get into right let's talk about Manchester United because the, the 1-0 victory against Leicester it's a scrappy victory that maybe the team wouldn't have been able to do I don't know maybe they would have been able to do previously but it, it feels like Ten Hag's philosophy is being at least spoken about and carried out by the players and I, I don't know what you feel about Manchester United at the moment David but certainly the, the building that's happening seems to be consistent with a plan as opposed to previously every player they bought was like somebody who was famous or very young and they thought that there might be some resale value in but it didn't necessarily fit a pattern of play so if you're a Manchester United fan I suspect you're feeling a bit better about life now than you were three weeks ago even yeah um, like the, the signings they've made I would imagine a lot of them have been Ten Hags certainly when Martinez at the back Anthony like the interesting one was Casemiro that kind of came out of nowhere because obviously they were linked with Rabiot um, but then again Casemiro is a wonderful player we've seen that year in year out with Real Madrid I think I've actually been impressed with United I was at the Liverpool United game well I know it was at Old Trafford and the big thing I've taken from United in the last few weeks is there is a, there is a game plan with them but there's certainly a start of a resilience with them we've seen it last night against Leicester they were kind of back to the wall the last 10 or 15 minutes holding on and they're, they're now seeing those out, um, which they haven't done in the past. And the, the only reservation I would have is Ten Hag has signed these players for Ten Hag's way of playing. Now, if Ten Hag is successful and he stays there for two or three years, then albeit those players will play vital roles. But if things were to turn sour, you almost revert back to the Van Gaal, Mourinho days of they've signed players for the manager. And then if a new manager comes in, is the philosophy going to be the same? So I imagine... There's been conversations had where like Ten Hag is their man for the next few years and now he can build with those players and continue going forward. Because the last thing any Manchester United fan will want, if it does go sour, he ends up losing his job. You're bringing a new manager and he's stuck with like these players and he doesn't want them. Um, but certainly, you know, the signs are positive for United fans because they're starting to show a bit of resilience. And what's it like even the whole thing of like dropping Harry Maguire, dropping Cristiano Ronaldo, like not like because the team is being successful in the winning games, he's not changing it. He's sticking to this philosophy of like these players have earned the right to play. This is the way we're going. So it's 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 certainly going to be interesting to see how they're going against Arsenal because they're high and flying and you know they're incredible form. It's a very good point. It's a note of caution to the stuff that's happening here. So Casemiro obviously um is he is he slightly younger than Kevin De Bruyne and nobody's complaining about De Bruyne getting a new contract. That's fair enough. But uh you know, if there's not going to be huge resale value, if it goes south with Ten Hag, 
the overarching philosophy seems to be the same philosophy about we're going to just invest in the manager and let that person carry yeah. the can. So you would still say the club isn't being brilliantly run, but they might have found somebody who's actually capable of doing the job. Yeah, it's been a good recovery in terms of obviously losing the first two games and the manner of the, the Brentford defeat in particular. But then the worry for United going into the season was they didn't do transfer business very soon. They should like you would have thought Ten Hag comes in and he's like, These are the players I want, let's get them, let's bring them on the preseason tour, and then we hit the ground running. That didn't happen, but they've actually done quite well to recover. And Anthony is a, a very technical player, and I get what David is saying that if yeah, like he's quite slight and but he will suit the way Ten Hag wants to play. Casemiro obviously gives you a bit of beef in midfield. They still haven't solved the problem of somebody that can run a game in midfield but look that will come in. they weren't going to solve all their issues in one window but I think actually when the team settles down and he, you kind of get a fair idea of what his first 11 is it's going to include a lot of those new signings which would suggest that you know that's they're, that they're players that he wants uh, you can see that that team could be a good team and then next transfer window and the one after that there's like one or two players you need to add to get them yeah. to a point where you're like okay huge confidence in this if they were to get their Allison, for example then all of a sudden you're like okay well like there's not many weaknesses somebody to run the game in midfield fair enough but yeah. like there are a few of those players around right back. they need a right back I think as well definitely yeah I think they need a better a better option as a central striker um, but again like the January transfer window I know January seems like a long way away but if you think about it there's less games between now and January than there usually is because of the World Cup so it's a case of just get this team bedded in then come January now again if they've if they have learned anything that they need when the January transfer window comes along they need to be ready none of this dragging deals out until the end of January try and get and people say you don't get good deals in January but I think the, the money that has been spent yeah. in the Premier League over the last There's going to be months. loads of good deals this January, actually. All the central midfielders, we were talking about this earlier on, the Douglas Louise is going to be available more than likely, Tielemann's going to be available more than likely, or certainly you can sign them for the following summer. Yeah. You can do that deal and, and like let them play out the string. At well, technically, technically you can't, sure. You, I, you know. You're not allowed to sign a pre-contract? No, not with a player. If a player's playing in the Premier League and he's six months left in his contract, he can negotiate a contract and sign a pre-agreement with a European team okay. not in the same league I didn't realise that okay okay so um, sorry I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it never happens that uh, well yeah you're right there there's yeah. definitely a few handshakes going on yeah um, yeah you're a big fan of Tielemans very surprised when he was playing last night I kind of got the impression that that was that meant that like okay he's obviously not going to be going somewhere because it's very difficult to come off the pitch and sign for somebody in the meantime but um he will be one of the most sought after players in world football next summer because he'll be free yeah and I've, I've look I've said it to you numerous times I wish Liverpool had signed him um, I think he's I think he's a wonderful player like even watching Leicester it's just it feels like the heart's been ripped out of them like you look at Brendan's post-match interviews like there's no life in any of them like obviously losing Schmeichel was a massive massive blow such a huge character in the change room Albeit he'd been a great servant, you know, I think he was, if he wanted to go, he was fair enough. But then for Fana, like the mess with Tielemans, Vardy's 35, albeit he's still, you know, he'll still get your goals. And then the whole scenario with um, Tielemans is just like a player should, players now have 
have almost got the power themselves. Um, it was always the same as before, but now certainly with him waiting, like just leaving his contract run down. Um, and the thing is, he'll come in the summer or January. I wouldn't be surprised if he left um, the Premier League because what he'll do is when he's negotiating with you know clubs in whether it be France, Spain, Italy, he'll just say to them, or the agent will, you'd have had to pay 20 million for me. I want a contract at 20 million. Yeah. Um, based over thing, a bit like what Aaron Ramsey did when he signed for Juventus. And they'll just throw money at him because obviously they're getting on a free transfer. But it's it's, it's it's a shame for Leicester. If they could have gotten rid of him, I think you should have because you can obviously, I think in January, they will look to try and push him out to try and recuperate 15 to 20 million for him. Because um, otherwise it's just kind of a sad scenario. He, him walking out the door and he's been a great servant for them. Yeah, had had great days as well. To to go back to Manchester United Arsenal, right? Because um, you know you can make the case that it's the game of the weekend as opposed to the Merseyside derby. Um, but the Arsenal performances so far have been uh, against teams that you would expect them to win, and that's that's fair enough. But I guess the thing that is the characteristic of good sides is that they take care of business. That you tend not to win the league in the three or four matches against the other good teams, except recently that has been the case. Um, but it's actually grinding out results and making sure that you win and get three points on the road or that you win those home games against sides who come and defend for their lives for 85, 86 minutes. I think I think Arsenal fans should be feeling this team. That collection of forwards they have is as exciting a collection of forwards as most clubs could aspire to. And not Maybe not the super clubs just yet because they're, they're slightly unproven, but are, are, are Arsenal the real deal? It's hard to know, isn't it? Like, you, you talk about the front four. Um, I'm a big fan of all four of them. Jesus, of course, look, he was second string at City, you know, back up to Aguero. Now he's the main man and he's, he, you know, he's thriving under it. You've got Odegaard, who's taken on the captaincy. Wonderful player, Martinelli. Like, I'm a big, big fan of him. If you watched any of the Arsenal documentary, like, the way they speak about him, he trains, like, every day is his last. Saka, of course, is a wonderful talent. And you've got Emile Smith-Rowe backing them up. Like there's some wonderful players. My only thing is, I do think they'll finish top four. But I think they'll just come up short of really pushing, you know, Manchester City just because of the inexperience of those players. That when it gets to the nitty gritty, that they'll probably just come up a little bit short of pushing City. But I fully expect them to be in the top four. That's why this game is so interesting. Yeah, yeah, and do you know what? If they do finish top four, that's a good season because there was a real sense of that night they lost at Newcastle that, you know, it was gone and last season was a real opportunity for them to kind of slip under the radar where you didn't feel like they were ready for top four but teams around them everyone's collapsing yeah well, they were going to finish ahead of Spurs and obviously United were were a non-runner in that top four race towards the end of the season so everyone thought you know oh, that that's a big opportunity missed but they've managed to get in obviously Jesus and Zinchenko were two big signings to get in and like what a difference the start this season compared to last season where three games in people were thinking like He's back yeah. Yeah. yeah get rid of yeah. him even though like two of those games were against City and against Chelsea and another one they were missing players because of Covid um, so the context wasn't really some people didn't really take it into context but I always feel with Arsenal it's going very well at the moment but a couple of bad results and I always think there's there's a bit um things can get a bit dramatic off the pitch where people worry about them just the I fans you're blaming I, the fans say it go on you no, think no, the Arsenal no, no. fans I mean look there's, there's they're too posh there's 
different types of fans there's actual fans and then there's people that shout things to try and get Arsenal heard. fan TV has, has infected the it's a disease that it's, it, look it's the same with most fan bases I'm, we'll be talking about Liverpool in in a minute as well they, they have the issues as well because y- you just have to look at some of the comments going around yesterday with the when our tour was being signed and some of the, the stuff that I said but you're on Catherine of course oh yeah you're back now yeah yeah so yeah. um no, I, th- I definitely think Arsenal are on the, the right path anyway. I think, so, yeah. And I think if they do beat United, and if they... Do you think not, they will? I, they, they, they should do, because they're a better team than them. But yeah. something that David touched on there, United do have resilience about them now. And also, you think back to the United-Liverpool game, United outran Liverpool. So they'll be up for this. And this is kind of, you know, this is their last shot really before we start getting into the really really busy times with European games but actually th- these are two teams that are going to be in the Europa League so it actually suits them that they can rest players they don't have to go full tilt in the Europa League because it should be good enough to get through it, both both Arsenal and United Yeah. whereas if they're playing Champions League they okay, couldn't so do that give me a prediction I'm going to go score draw right uh, David what do you think is going to happen Man United Arsenal Um. <laughs> Arsenal will win 2-1 OK the Everton-Liverpool game right uh, obviously these games have been um, hectic and frenetic but one-sided re- really over the last couple of years yeah I think anyone that watched Liverpool-Newcastle the other night and Newcastle frustrated Liverpool it's going to go up a couple of notches tomorrow and Everton showed it at Anfield earlier this season or last season sorry earlier this year when you know they really frustrated Liverpool Liverpool got the breakthrough but if Liverpool don't get an early breakthrough it could be a very frustrating afternoon and Klopp has to decide do you throw Darwin Nunes yeah. right back in yes. there I think you do oh, well, you, you, see him the other, him. you see him the other night when when all hell broke loose on the touchline after the Carvalho winner, who was standing there shouting down at the Newcastle bench, basically, have a bit of that. Oh, was he? Yeah. And <laughs> you kind of think it's it's like somebody that goes on an absolute mad one on a night out. And the second night, you're thinking, you should probably take it easy tonight. This is the test. So this will be the test for Darwin Nunes. Has he learned his lesson from the Palace game? Okay. <laughs> if imagine, like you think Connor Cody... And James Tarkovsky, if if Nunez starts tomorrow, they'd be thinking, lovely. Let's see what we can do yeah. to, to wind them up. But, or else he runs them ragged and scores twice. He could do, but also if he does start, he gives Mo Salah and Luis Diaz more space and more time. And Salah... Looked then you're bit, dropping Bobby Firmino, who's playing well at the moment. You could start Firmino as well. So who's gotten dropped? Well, you've got Fabinho and plus one. You can't drop Harvey Elliott because he's been one of their best players. And you're not like, dropping Mo Salah... No, no. So, I'm saying I've I've been thinking for the last few weeks when they signed Nunes as well. I thought Liverpool were going to change formation. So but it was something Diaz. that Klopp said after the United game where he was asked about he, his midfield and he said maybe we could have changed things. I don't have the bodies, but I don't have enough attacking players to play more attacking players to play a pivot of two midfielders. Right. Okay. Uh, do you would you pick him, David? No. Um, I think certainly. After the victory the other night against Newcastle, in the manner in which you know Liverpool won the game, I think he, obviously Jordan Jordan Henderson's injured, so I think you're just replacing him. I think the, the rest will remain the same. I think Firmino has proved in the last few games that he still has huge amounts to offer. 
Um, like Nunes has been out for three games, so I don't, I can't see him coming straight back. And it's very rare a player will come straight back in. But if you look at the impact he had, um, certainly in the Community Shield coming on for the last 20 minutes, whatever it was, 20, 25 minutes, same against Fulham, he caused havoc. So I think Jurgen will look at that. That can we, can I play kind of the same 10, 11 players and then bring him on with 20, 25 to go just to wreak havoc and destruction in the middle of the box and try and bully Cody and Tarkovsky. That also makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's probably the more sensible option. Yeah. And I know, obviously, I'm, I'm presuming then, David, you're thinking Henderson is out, so James Milner is going to start. And with all due respect to James Milner, and it's something that I, I touched on there about some of the, the, the Liverpool fans, they're getting frustrated with... The, the likes of Jordan Henderson and James Milner in the midfield unit and you know you have the the McFred like I've seen now people are starting to call Milner Henderson Milnerson I mean which those Liverpool fans those Liverpool fans need to um, you know remember everything that's ever yeah. happened but there is a sense of certain Liverpool fans would think that the Jurgen Klopp has been too loyal to some of these players that their levels are not at the same as they were a few years ago James Milner is a player that is great to have in a dressing room because he sets the standard and Jordan Henderson is a great captain um, both on and off the pitch I don't think it's ideal having the two of them in the same team which was the case at Old Trafford now it's not going to happen tomorrow but I would rather have Jordan Henderson in midfield than James Milner. Oh yeah, I think at, at this stage, and I, I do think that like um, there might have been an injury that led up to the hamstring. Sometimes that's indicative of something else breaking down as well. This so. goes to the point that there are not enough midfielders. Liverpool have brought in Artur, and everyone thinks oh, that's great. They can put all the eggs into the Jude Bellingham basket next summer, and maybe it happens. But even if it does happen, that doesn't solve Liverpool's problems in midfield eradicates them but it doesn't solve the fact that Naby Keita's out of contract hasn't signed one Oxlade-Chamberlain by the way those two players you can't rely on them fitness wise no. Thiago you can't rely on fitness wise as good as he is so there's still shortages there yeah and with that that, that essentially takes them out of the running for the league title in a way like they they could still win the Champions League I think yeah absolutely I th- but can they over the 38 games go toe Toe to toe. It's already too late, maybe. I don't know. What do you think, David? I just look at like I agree with a lot of what Phyllis said there. The, Liverpool's midfield is aging. Like you look at Milner's been an incredible incredible servant to you know, the Premier League. The age he's at, Jordan now is thirty two. Fabinho, I think, is thirty. Um like then you you touched on Kate at those who have the injuries. Like looking forward to, you know, Everton. Like you still expect Harvey Elliott to start. I think he's been very good. Um, you'd have Fabinho on the pivot, right, Grant? And it's, does he does he go with Milner for the experience? I think if it was at Anfield, he might go with Carvalho um, just to bring some you know pace and speed and kind of get you know Fabinho to educate the two of them. But with it being at Everton, I, I think he will go with Milner just to kind of bring that solidarity into midfield. That if the game was to get fran- frantic. Because obviously Goodison Park is going to be, they're going to try and create this atmosphere to, you know, boost their players and try and make it intimidating. It's, it's certainly an interesting one. Like Arthur Mello, is it a panic, panic boy loan, whatever way you want to put it? 
it's probably just an extra body. If you look back a few years ago when, you know, the centre halves of Liverpool and we had that crisis, they signed players on loan. Now, they, they never ended up signing them permanently. I think this is another one of those that, look, we'll give you 12 months if you prove to be something more than you're not. I think there is an option to buy for 37 million at the end of it. Like even as Phil said, yes, Jude Billingham's an incredible player and he, yeah, he would answer a lot of questions in Liverpool's midfield, but they still probably need two, three players to, you know, because those players are aging and yeah. it's going to be, certainly with Jürgen's style, it's going to be tough. Okay, and We're, all the money that they're going to put, all the money would go into the Bellingham deal and they have no, they have no money left then. Yeah, I mean, they they haven't invested a huge amount of money. You know, they've 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 spent, but they've also broken even yeah. largely. But and like these problems in that's midfield, that's not keeping pace with what everybody else is doing. No, these problems in midfield were there a couple of years ago. It's true. It's it's the uh, and Klopp has done an amazing job to to cover up with them, and I think those players will have a role to play as well over yeah. the course of the season. It's just that you end up using them for more minutes than you wanted to. Prediction. Um, yeah, I I think this could be a draw. As well. All right, okay, David Myler, what do you think? Bill, come on, get off the fence. <laughs> Just like, you know what? <laughs> do you know what? I've been really frustrated and disappointed with Salah um, in terms of, like, he set the bar so high over the last few seasons. I'm fully expecting him to kind of get going here, um, like score two or three goals. I'm going 3-1 Liverpool. Okay. Uh, uh, you've been to all firms, have you? Have you been to all firms? Yeah. Yeah. What are they like? Yeah. If Celtic win, it's incredible. If they lose, it's not. <laughs> Have you seen both? Have you been at both? Yeah, I've been at both. I took my dad. Uh, my dad was over. I can't remember. Was it just after Christmas? Um, and I was going back to Ireland with them. So I said, come on, we drive up to Glasgow. We go to the game. We get the ferry across to the north and then drive back down. And I took him. <laughs> I took him. Um, I think it was when Gerard was manager and Rangers beat Celtic. And my dad said, it's one of the worst football games I've ever been to. Don't ever bring me to this again. And the problem, like I've been to so many that like there's been incredible atmospheres. Like, like they are special. You know, certainly if you're if you're a Celtic fan and you're at Parkhead and they're winning, then you know the stadium is bouncing. It's just an incredible atmosphere. It's one of the best I've been to. Um, certainly the European nights are special as well, but. All firms do hit differently. Did, um, did, you, did you get recognised on the ferry on the way home? Ah, uh, no. I, I the, the ferry was about like I think it was. You'd have to ask my dad. He'd know that. I think it was about two o'clock in the morning. I don't think anyone was talking to anyone. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, but Celtic going well at the moment, and a bit of a genius. I mean, maybe uh, Aston Villa could go back up there again and look for a manager. Although he's probably gone beyond Villa at this stage. Um, so Celtic going to do Rangers this weekend? You'd expect so, yeah. Like, okay, you know, Rangers are coming off, you know, um, they're, I think they're eight unbeaten. Now Celtic, of course, fresh off the 9-0 victory against Dundee United. It's the opening game. If you look back to kind of the previous seasons, like Celtic won the league last year by four points. These games do really matter. Of course, there's going to be little slip-ups along the way, but if you can get, you know, one leg ahead of the other um, in these games, certainly a home form is going to be vital so I'd expect Celtic to win I think it'll be a close and cagey affair but I'd probably put them winning 2-1 Okay I have one last question for you both will Steven Gerrard be the Aston Villa manager here we are the 2nd of September will he still be the Aston Villa manager at the start of October I'll start with you David I love Stevie Um, I'm going to say yes like if you look even if you look at the results they haven't been awful they've been you know tight even you know the 
there's been moments where they're they're not out of games, and I've seen I see a lot of nonsense written by Aston Villa fans who don't understand football, talking about like what's their philosophy, look at the positions. Like last year, they were doing well. I still expect them to pick up pace and progress. You know, they just need they probably need one of those another two or three crappy victories, and then kind of get the momentum going and get that confidence. Um, but I still, yeah, I expect Stevie to be manager. Okay. Uh, how happy would you be if he was the Liverpool manager? It's a different kettle of fish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, because, be, no, but simply because, like, Jürgen, Jürgen has put the foundation over the years that, I don't want to say I could nearly do it, but like, you know, that way, like, those players are well drilled, well organised, they know what's what, they know exactly what position to be in, like, you have the team there. So Stevie was, if Stevie was to go in and kind of continue that mantle of the way Jürgen's been playing, then I'd have no problem with it. Whereas if he then tried to change it and put his own stamp and authority on it, then that could be slightly different. Um, but look, every, the one thing, like I've done my coaching badges and one of the first things they say to you is like, like every manager, if you want to be a manager, get sacked. It's the one given of becoming a manager, you know you're going to get sacked. So, like I said at the start, if Stevie doesn't get results, he'll know he'll be under pressure. Yeah. Um, like the pressure's piling on. No, he needs to get results. He knows that. He's been in the game long enough. It's coming, all right. We'll see what happens when uh, Tyrone Mings is the one who's trying to stop this weekend. Erling Haaland, what do you think is going to happen? And do you think he's going to be the, the manager next month? I don't think so. I, I think the two names you mentioned, Rogers and Gerard, I don't think they'll see October. I, I think in October you could see them in different jobs. Rogers would be a far more attractive... Um, manager to get for another club like I, I genuinely think Rogers could be the next Villa manager for example I, I know like David's talked about the results the Villa performances have been dreadful did Christian Perslow hire him or was he still was he gone by that stage Were, no he was gone because he was Hicks and Gillette period wasn't he or was he I don't know I need to look that up sorry um, putting you on the spot there for your Liverpool chief executives and the ownership not not the sexiest part of football, but... Yeah, well, there's nothing sexy about the way Aston Villa are playing at the moment. <laughs> no. Definitely not. And, yeah, I just... No, the, the first half an hour of the Arsenal game really worried me, uh, watching Villa. That was actually not as bad as they've been this season. That mm. was the thing. That was the problem. So, uh, I, one, look... One thing he did was he took Coutinho out and he took Danny Ings out. And I thought that was the right thing to do. It was, actually. He picked the right team. Yeah. But at the, at the, to David's point, there's no confidence there at the moment. So even the good players aren't playing well. Um, right, it is going to be a fascinating weekend of football. The five games, Everton versus Liverpool, half past 12, BT Sport. Tomorrow, Celtic Rangers, Sky Sports, half past 12 tomorrow. Villa Man City, half five on uh, Saturday evening, also on Sky Sports. And then on Sunday, doubleheader, Brighton, Leicester and Manchester United Arsenal live from half past four. My thanks to David Wilder, my thanks to Phil Egan. This is the football kickoff with Sky. All the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. We're live every Friday morning around about half past 12, half past 11 rather. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll see you next week. Take care. The Football Kickoff with Sky. Watch every single live Premier League game on Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports.